0: Mark to be joined with you today, chatting on this podcast. I'm excited that you're here and you were just with us at our conference and spoke to hundreds of leaders and you're talking about your new book, Win the Day. And so I'm just excited to sit down with you to chat and excited to talk about your book. But thank you so much for being here. Oh, I love it. I mean, a- any excuse I
1: can find to come to River Valley. And I was born in Minneapolis. So it's for me, it's a little bit of a, of a homecoming and uh, so inspired by the conference. Honestly, I just needed it personally. My
0: faith was stretched. It's been amazing. Yeah, talk a little bit, before we dive into the book, talk a little bit about just, man, everyone's had this year, it, you know, or two years or however long it's going, you know, maybe people listen to this years down the road, they're going, it's still happening, Um, of division, of chaos. Obviously you're in DC, you're kind of in the area where it's you know, seems as divided as anywhere else. In Minneapolis, it felt that way too. Obviously, we were kind of an epicenter of, of that. Just, you talk about you needed the conference. Talk a little bit about your spiritual, the atmosphere in your life right now as you're kind of focused in and getting back to it, but still walking on eggshells, it seems. And, you know, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, h- hardest year of leadership, hands down. Uh, I've had the
1: joy and privilege of leading National Community Church for 25 years. And Logan, the first couple of years were really challenging just from a church plant, Like, are we going to even make it? Um, we weren't self-supporting until year three. So they, I mean, the early wow. years were really challenging, but the last years in a category by itself. And I would probably rank it, uh, the racial tension as one, the political polarization is two, because we're in D.C. and probably COVID is three. Wow! And that's saying something because in D.C., we we were on lockdown. Like we we went a year and two weeks without gathering on the weekend. Wow! So, uh, but I would say a couple of lessons learned. I think one one lesson. It's a hard lesson, but every preacher or pastor i talk to resonates with what i'm about to say that no matter what you're preaching on it's never enough and it's always too much <laughs> like you you just you you can please some of the people all the time all the people some of the time but you cannot please all the people all the time and so as a leader th- this is a moment where you better have some strong convictions your your compass better be working in moments like this yes. that you are leading out of those biblical convictions and the vision that God's given you. Uh I might throw in one more thing. Uh I, I have a friend, he's a Admiral uh and
0: you know as you do your Oh Admiral yes, friends. you know. Yeah. Hey.
1: Well in DC, let's be yeah, honest. Sure, there sure. we've had yeah. we got a, a two-star general who plays electric guitar in one of our bands. We you know it's kind of a it's uh we got the Pentagon, a lot of military anyway, so yeah. Admiral but worked as the deputy homeland security uh, and intelligence advisor to the president. so this is someone who manages crises for a living. And I said, how do you do it? And he said something that's become a mantra of mine. He he said, here's my MO with our team. He said, I reserve the right to get smarter later. I think that's huge. I think a lot of leaders want to come out of the gate and feel like, oh, no, I already have everything figured out. Oh, no, you don't. And if you thought you did a year or two ago, guess what? You figured out quickly that you did not. Totally. And so you know, one of our uh, core values is stay humble and stay hungry, and there's nothing God can't do in you or through you. And part of that is I'm going to get smarter later
0: yeah. and I'm going to I'm going to keep growing as a leader. Yeah. That's so freeing I think for people who feel like I need it all figured out now. You know, me as a young leader, I'm like I need to know everything. I need to dive in and and learn every, you know, book, read every commentary, read every leadership strategy and it's like the, the freedom to say, hey, you know, I'm still going to walk humbly, but I can get smarter later. That's a great, great reminder. Yeah. Now this year, you know, you, you come out with a new book, Win the Day, and I feel like all these people are like, I've lost every day, you know, for <laughs> the past, you know, year and a half. Yeah. It's like, we, I feel like we've been full of losing and it, it feels that way. You know, and then you come out with this book and, it, you know, as I've been reading it, it's like a breath of fresh air to say, wait, there's still winning out there that I can do. And it's not winning in the sense of like, I'm gonna, you know, pat myself on the back or pat myself on the chest that I'm the best, you know, I'm better than everyone else. But talk to me a little bit about the, the inspiration for the book, you know, obviously releasing in this season to where you're saying, we need this, maybe now more than ever. Um, but talk to me about the inspiration behind the book.
1: Yeah, well, if we were on an elevator and we were only going up one floor. Sure. Here would be my pitch, okay. Logan. Yesterday is history, tomorrow is mystery, win the day. You, you have to, I don't care what goal you're going after, what problem you're trying to solve, um, what habit you're trying to make or break, it's gonna happen one day at a time. So this idea of can you do it for a day is so empowering. And, and I, here, here's one way to think about it. Like I admire... Plotters with two T's. People that can plot the future, that see into the distant future. Like I love visionaries, but I may respect uh, plotters with two D's even more. Mm, sure. It's the people who put one foot in front of the other and they just do it for a long time. It's long obedience in the same direction. So I, I think whatever it is that you're trying to do, when the day is about reverse engineering it and I mean the book goes from the marathon that I ran yeah. as a result of God doing a, a healing work in my life and well you got it you can't just go out and run twenty six point two miles. At least I can't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> um and, and then we're in a, a fifty million dollar building project right now. You better reverse engineer that thing because if you don't, you're gonna buckle underneath the pressure. So it really is this one day at a time approach to to vision and life and
0: leadership. Yeah, that's so good, man. I think there's so many things in that, but I think, you know, for me when I think about this, I think it's hard to to for people to start, you know, at least for me. I feel like discipline it when I meet disciplined people, like you talk about there's a lot of military people in your church, there's a lot of people in government and you kind of have to be disciplined in those areas, but for a lot of us you know, self-discipline is up to us and what time we wake up in the morning, how much work we get done. I think it's, it can be challenging. And w- one one person said, you know, if you want to get disciplined, you need to be disciplined. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that seems like a oxymoron or a never ending journey. You know, when you look at just the starting point for people where they say, okay, I want to do seven habits. I want to get there. I want to win the day, but how do I if I'm maybe not feeling like I'm out of the funk, I think for a lot of people, like we're in, or we're in the funk and, and we're not in our, our normal rhythms of life yeah. right now. Maybe they're working from home or their church is, you know, still getting back to it. Like you talked about, yep. what are some ways to get back on track to, to start getting these habits when maybe you're just totally off the track? Yeah.
1: Well, let me, let me level the playing field first <laughs> uh, I felt called to write when I was twenty two i didn't write a book until I was thirty five Wow, so that's thirteen years, and it got more frustrating every year and and so dreams don't happen overnight um, we're coming out of this crazy season like everybody else and you know as of this recording i think last sunday maybe we had a third of our normal pre covid attendance sure. because dc is a little bit behind the curve yeah um, but he, here's one thing that i did that that helped me i do, I do think there there comes a moment and it's it's uh, actually habit number 5 cut the rope there there comes a moment where you've got to make a grand gesture. The, the technical term would be a commitment device. Mm. And it's this idea that y- you have to burn the bridge or burn the boats. Like you have to do something that's yeah. going to back yourself into a corner. So I turned my 35th birthday into a deadline. Mm. And I said, I'm not going to turn 35 without a book to show for it. And so, Somehow you've got to find, because day one's the hardest because of the law of inertia. Yeah. So that first step is always going to be the hardest step, but then you do it two days in a row and that's a winning streak. Sure. And so now you get a little bit of momentum. So whatever it is that you're trying to do, I think it's about that day one, pulling the trigger and then... You, you stack some wins together and now you've got some momentum.
0: Yeah, that's good. I th- what made me, what I was thinking when you were talking about that is, I think as pastors, a lot of times we pastor people and tell them the same thing with sin and say, you need to get momentum away from your sin. But at times when we think about it in our lives as pastors, we're saying, oh, well, I don't know how I can do it. And it's like, well, if you can get momentum away from sin, you've got to be able to get momentum to something. Yes. And so that's been, been huge. Yeah,
1: Dr. William Glass,
0: Glasser. This is like
1: 1970s. He writes this book about positive addiction, yeah. which sounds like an oxymoron, right? Yeah. Like, what's positive about addiction? But he makes the point that, like, if you get a runner's high, that eventually becomes. I think it can be a positive. Addiction, and so you don't stop sinning by not sinning. It's a double bind in psychology. If I say be spontaneous, you can't be now because I put you in a double bind. Sure. Um, And so, if I say don't think about the jolly green giant, well, you just did. You know, they're driving their car right now. They're thinking about the jolly green (laughs) giant. There you go. And and so, what you need is a vision that's bigger and better uh, than whatever habit you're trying to break. And, um, and leadership starts with self-leadership. So really how we're leading ourselves is going to set the tone uh, for the church that we lead. And I, wow, I don't want to, this, this might seem like a hard right turn, but <laughs> I say this in love, if you're a preacher and your sermons are boring, Maybe it's because your life is boring <laughs> Wow! and maybe you need to get a life. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm, where I'm going with that is like, I need to live my life with an element of adventure, with an element of risk. I need some hobbies that are outside the walls of the church so that people can identify with me and I can identify with other people. Like, I don't know where that just came from, but that probably means it's a, it's a word for someone.
0: No, I think it's so totally true. I, I have a, a saying that I say all the time and my team jokes me about it, but I say either what you're going to do is it's going to be a great success or it's going to make a great story. I say, you got to do things that are one or the other. Yeah. Because if it's a great success, that's awesome. We can give God the glory for it. But if it's a tragic failure, it's the story. You you rarely I tell stories of the, the things that went well. I was uh, in a wedding the other day as a groomsman and my friend was getting married. And um, one of the groomsmen, he, he passed out and I caught him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I caught him and uh. I'm, I'm dragging him over to the chair and he goes and he falls on the ground. And it's just this big scene. And the pastor kind of says, we're, we're going to keep moving forward. And there was an EMT, luckily, on the front row. But afterwards, we were talking about it as, a, as the bridal party and just laughing about it. And I said, this wedding is one that you're going to remember forever. Every one of us yes. is going to talk. We're talking about it on this podcast right yes. now. If it went smooth and nobody nope. passed out, nobody uh-huh. would, it wouldn't even made the That's thought. no fun. No
1: fun. Hey, so, I do want to say this. You're a better man than me, <laughs> because I was in a wedding many moons ago, and the bridesmaid right next to me passes out. I did not catch her. (laughs) Wow. You let her hit the ground. (laughs) I did. It wasn't intentional, but I wasn't quick enough. So just, you know, Hats off to you. Well, that, uh,
0: well done. Thank you. I yes. appreciate that. Yes. that I'll, I'll put that on my wallet with the quote of this. There, well yeah. done, Mark yes. Batterson. <laughs> um, now, now, something that struck me about this book, and obviously it's Seven Daily Habits, and there's all... I, I, what I first love is I love how the habits are a little bit different than what you'd expect. You know, there's other great books about habits that I think are really beneficial that I've read, but you you, set, you talked about them in a way that I think in in your way that you do, to where it's it, it didn't feel like I was going through a seven-step book. It felt like I was reading a story, but they all linked together. Now, when I look at your other books, it still felt different in the practicality of it. You know, you look at Circle Maker and In a Pit and all, you know, all your other books that you've written. Does this one feel different to you or does it feel like, no, this is just a, the next step in in my book writing journey? Well, it's it's book 20. Sure. So there is a...
1: You grow as a writer, and and you become aware of your weaknesses. Like I'm, I'm, I. My books are pretty motivating. I think. No, I think if you I, pick yes. them up, you're ready to <laughs> yeah. run to the roar. You're going to chase the lion. But I felt like one of my weaknesses was maybe getting to some of the practicalities or the day in yeah. and day out. And so I wanted this book to have a little bit more of that. Immediate application, mm-hmm. and so there, there definitely was uh, an attempt to do that, and uh, I, I guess the jury's out whether it worked or not. But yeah. that, that is the the mindset behind it.
0: That's good. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, the jury has decided it's great. I've I've heard amazing things from people who've read it. I'm reading it right now. I'm about halfway through it. You know, by the time you're listening to this podcast, I'll be done. And and I'm just I, I think that a lot of times you read a book. And you say, that was a great story, but now what do I do with it? You know, when you you think about even stories from the book, stories from, you know, maybe people who read it early on that are helping you with the process. What has been even, I think as the author, you know, sometimes you have to live it out first, Mm. you know? So you're writing the book and it's like, okay, that's great. You know, it's, you can't preach a message and not live. You got to walk the talk. What have been some things in your life as you've gone through these seven habits, as you've written them down, you now have a published book about it to where you've seen some change in you as you've lived these out? Because you can't, you can't not live them out when you got a book called Win the Day, right? No, you can't. I mean, let let me go right to habit number two, Kiss the Wave. Yeah, love that one.
1: I I mean, and and it comes from... uh, Uh, a Spurgeon, I have
0: learned to kiss the way that throws me against a rock of ages. It's a powerful idea. And I I hate to interrupt you on that, but you were talking, I had never known that Spurgeon, he had struggled with depression. yeah. And you talked about that. And I think for so many people, Spurgeon, I mean, one of the best preachers, you know, that has, that's standed the test of time. And then to hear that struggle, that was the first time I heard it was in your book. And I'm like, wow, that brings a whole new perspective to kissing the wave and to a guy that you don't know the full story no and it,
1: and it really helped me like as, as we were staring at building out this city block in dc this 50 million dollar building project yeah. it just there were moments where i felt like my knees were gonna buckle or like you're on the bench press and you can't get that bar up um where i just like i just don't know and and it's that's when i came across you know, Spurgeon said that before any move of God, that there would often be a bout with depression. Mm. And I felt that weight. And and leaders, you are not alone right now. If you feel the weight and if it feels lonely, it, it is part of the burden that we bear as leaders. But I think sometimes it's encouraging to know that we're, we're not out of the ordinary. I mean, everybody is wrestling with these things. And so, you know, it's crazy, Logan, that, that the book comes out um and right before it comes out I, I wrote about my wife Laura and about that she had with cancer yep. and th- this key question that she read in a poem and the question was what have you come to teach me yeah. uh, if you're going to kiss the wave, you have to ask that question even of cancer yeah well it's crazy right before the book comes out she gets a second diagnosis <laughs> and we've got to fight a second round Wow. um and she rang the bell. She's through radiation. She's on the other side. Wow, but I, I'm not blowing smoke when I say that the obstacle is not the enemy. The obstacle is the way. Hmm. It has come to teach you something. Yeah, I, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you want to go through it again, but there there is a way to kiss the wave and come out the other side even more like Christ. So I think these these uh, habits are pretty hard earned and each one has a little bit of a backstory. Totally.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think as as every book you've written there I just feel like as a storyteller that's the gift that God's given you, but when you mix it in with oh yeah, I had the victory on the front end, but then there's another battle around the corner. You know, I think that's something that leaders, you know, at least for me, they don't teach that in, in Bible school that, you know, it's, yeah, it's going to be harder. What, here's how to preach. Here's hermeneutics. Here's this, but there's always another battle around the corner. Yep. And I think for a lot of people, that's discouraging to say, okay, there's, there's another battle. Why even fight this battle? If there's another battle around the corner, what would you say to somebody who says that?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's an honest question. It's a hard question. There's not an easy answer, mm-hmm. but the last time I checked, the, the reward in the parable of the talents for good work was not an early retirement <laughs> or extra vacation time. The reward for good work was more work. Yeah. In, in other words, the blessings of God complicate our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, your dad, Pastor Rob, talked about this idea that some people wanna pastor a mega church. Uh, you might wanna think twice about that yeah. because it, 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 uh, the larger a church gets, the more complicated it gets, and there's a heavier weight. But, but I guess what I'm getting at, sin will complicate your life in a way it shouldn't be complicated. Blessings will complicate your life in a way that it should be complicated. Like When, when, when I got married, it complicated my life. Praise God for 29 years of complications. We have three complications named Parker, Summer, and Josiah. <laughs> Praise God. For those complications, and so leaders don't don't try to sidestep or shortcut. Just embrace it. That, that God is getting you ready right now for even bigger and better challenges. And uh, the the key is learning the lesson, uh, cultivating the character, and curating the change. Like
0: you have to do those things with every circumstance,
1: and, and then you're going to go through it.
0: Yeah. Yeah absolutely i think it's habit four is fly the kite yeah. and you know you this phrase how you do anything is how you do everything yeah. it's a powerful phrase i think it's something that when you say it to yourself in the mirror i almost get the vision of first samuel 16 where it's like men look at the outward appearance but the lord looks at the heart mm-hmm. and it's like talk to me, me about like Processing that to its full extent, because again, you can say it, but when you mean it, how I treat the barista, how I uh, how I take care of my family, how I show up to work in the morning, how you do one thing is how you do everything. How have you seen that? And and talk to us a little bit about more about fly the kite. Yeah, many many
1: years ago, I defined success for myself. I think everybody owes it to themselves, like what is that bullseye? Like personally, yeah. What? how do you define success? And um, it's not how many people I pastor. It's not how many people read a book. Like praise God if there's influence there. But at the end of the day, for me, success is when those who know me best respect me most. Yeah. And that's my wife and my kids. And so It's not that complicated. At the end of the day, I want to be famous in my home. Yeah. And it's hard to be famous in your home if you're never home. And so you really have to make sure that you're defining for yourself um, what success looks like. And then, um, you know, and I think part of that is hopefully we're better in private than in public. Yeah. We've seen a few too many (laughs) people with – maybe a little bit better in public than they are in private. And listen, as soon as I am completely sanctified, I will let everybody know, but I wouldn't hold your breath. Um, So it's not like I'm anywhere near arriving there, but um, I I think uh, leaders, uh, it it starts with preaching to 12 people before Mm -hmm. you can preach to 12,000, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed that I've had a front row seat to um, what I consider, you know, two of the greatest leaders in our country, and, and my parents. And I don't say that to flatter them. I really say that because I've, I've seen them up close. Yeah. And you know, maybe there's pastors out there that you know I maybe represent their kids or I re- represent them, but I can say, you know, my brother and I were both in ministry. We've never walked away from the Lord because we saw the real examples. It doesn't mean he wasn't always at every single game. It doesn't mean he always did everything right. But what I saw in, in the way that they led and what I see in people who are just leaders who have it across, like you said, how they do everything is the same way, just when they do one thing, is is they understand that God put them there mm-hmm. and they're never too big for their family. They're never too big to answer a phone call. They're never, you know, focused on what other people think of them. And when I saw uh, the most important thing is I saw that the Holy Spirit was the leading voice in their life. Yeah, It wasn't the elders. It wasn't the staff. It wasn't the congregation or the big giver. Yep. It was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't yep. us too as kids. Yeah. And like yep. sometimes it's like, well, we got to put kids at the center. No, it's the Holy Spirit. Because there's times the Holy Spirit says, you need to get home and go to dinner. Yeah. There's other times the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to go to that family's house and take care of them in their time of need. Mm. But as a kid, when I understood that, mm. to say the Holy Spirit is what's leading my parents. So the Holy Spirit should lead me too. Yep. I think that was the click to where, like you said, we're never fully sanctified, but that the perfection of Christ, man, that mm. is what leads us through it. And so that, that's been big, big for me. And, and yeah. watching leaders like you and my parents and others who are just great examples of that have been uh, incredible for me. And, and I hope to have that same legacy someday mm. too. So. That's so good. Yeah. And I would
1: second, what you're saying i love pastor rob and becca they have been a inspiration and a blessing to me personally so grateful yeah. there, there are leaders and then there are leaders of leaders yeah and uh we need a few more of those leaders of leaders. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Well, I am I want to encourage you know anyone who's listening to pick up your book. Like I said, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, I think every book you write, I'm excited when it releases, but this one caught my eye to say, okay, win the day. That's exciting, and so I'm glad that we got to sit down and talk about this. I'd love as we close this this podcast today, if there's maybe someone listening and and maybe they feel like. Uh, they're on the fence to say okay you know maybe they'll read the book or maybe they're they're on the fence about winning the day i just i feel like i'm tired i feel like you know i've tried being disciplined before you know even for me it's like um i slept through my alarm or i, I did this there's there can be that discouragement but in a book that is so hope filled what would you just say to anyone you know even pastoring the yeah. pastors who are listening to this that are saying i don't know that i can win the day mark yeah well Listen,
1: I, I, the working theory of the book is almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. Hmm. I'm not backing off of that. Yeah. Like, if, okay, if you're 5'7 and you want to play in the NBA, the, the odds are against you. Yeah. But don't tell me it can't be done because yep. Spud Webb, 5'7, didn't just play in the NBA, won the NBA dunk contest in 1986. So yeah. what I'm getting at is this. Um, don't use the odds as... An excuse, leverage it as motivation. Wow! Um, listen, writing for me is not a natural gifting. When I'm 22 and I feel called to write, I take a graduate assessment that shows a low aptitude for writing. In other <laughs> words, whatever you do, don't write books. <laughs> but you know what? God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the call. Yeah, that's right. But you have to go to work. So I, I mean, I read 3,000 books before I wrote one. So I'm not saying that there's a shortcut. You have to you have to work at it. But you know what, Logan? I, I love this question. Can you do it for a day? I've never had anybody, whatever it is, you can do anything for a day. The the key is having that mindset of, I'm just going to win today. And I, I think Jesus said something to the effect, let tomorrow worry for itself. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it might be a good place to and where we started, yesterday is history, tomorrow is mystery. Come on, let's win the day, and then let's see what God can do.
0: Well, well, I can't say it any better, Mark. I appreciate this, and I would encourage all those. Come on, let's win the day. Let's read the book. Let's be encouraged that that's the message. We win today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. Let's win the day. Love Thanks, it. Mark. Thanks so much.